In the name of the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We will continue to study the book of James. Just to guys remind you, uh, book of James, the first chapter, St. James focused on talking about trials and how trials are an important thing for a Christian life. Second chapter, St. James focused on the concept of faith must be life. Faith must be something that you practice. Faith without works is dead. Third chapter, St. James is focusing a lot more on tongues and speaking and how this is related to wisdom. And this is where we're going to start today. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, My brethren, let, my, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that they shall receive a stricter judgment. I was telling you last week that teachers were like an order in the church, like deacons, servants. They had an order that's called teachers. And St. James most likely was actually one of those orders. He's one of the order of the teachers. And the Jewish mindset continued to have the concept of a rabbi or a teacher who teaches. But St. James is saying, he says, Brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So what is he saying? He's saying that, if I continue to want to teach if everywhere I go, and I continue to want to be the center of attention everywhere I go, the problem is if I continue to teach, teach, teach without being discipled myself, and without learning myself, and without constantly growing myself, what happens is it's easy for me to make mistakes. When you sit with people and you're teaching, 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 and people start asking you question, asking you question, sometimes people might have the urge to say, not to say, I don't know. And they continue simply to make up answers and to give people wrong guidance because the desire for teaching, the desire to be noticed, the lack of discipleship. Sometimes also, when people teach, they have no excuse. Like if, for example, somebody could commit a mistake out of ignorance. But if I am teaching, God will say, you know it very well. You've been teaching the kids about honesty. You've been teaching the kids about reading the Bible and following their spiritual canons and going to their father of confessions and how important it is to be prepared for the Eucharist. And you're not doing any of that. So you are held to a stricter judgment. A stricter judgment. I do want to make a distinction between two things. St. Paul in the book of Philippians, he said that whatever is good, whatever is just... These are the things you should meditate on. So when we get together as a Christian, as a group of people, we should talk about how amazing the work of God is, how wonderful are the children of God. Talk about positive things that help us to grow. This is different than being a teacher. This is different than sitting down and trying to teach people and people about God. This is almost a difference between you being in a Sunday school class 
versus you spending time with your friends. So some people desire to teach, but they don't realize how talking too much can cause people to sin and also hold people to a higher standard. Sometimes also, by the way, people when they are anxious, they tend to talk too much. And they get into their teaching or preaching mode. And you can see this a lot actually with parents. When a parent gets anxious about their child, sometimes they just keep talking, 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 talking. And that's a way of them in dealing with their anxiety. Is that they get into what we call like what? A preachy or just talkative mode. So I have to be careful because maybe I am not teaching because for the sake of teaching, I'm teaching because I want to get my own anxiety and my own worries out. And that becomes another problem. Sometimes also we see that younger people, as they start growing, they starting wanting to be more teachers. And especially when they sit with their parents, young kids, and their college years or post-college years, they think they know everything. So when they sit with their parents, they don't want to hear their parents' opinions. They think the parents don't know what they're doing, and they are the ones that know what they're doing. And they constantly want to talk and to show off their knowledge and to show off their thinking. And many kids will make fun of their parents' accent and, all, and so on and so forth. Why? Because there's a, there's a part of people that wants to be teachers to get some of the attention. But St. James is saying, he's saying, I, obviously he's a teacher, he's saying be careful. Because when you teach too much, you're held into a stricter judgment. That's why in St. Luke, Gospel of Luke 12, 48, it says, to whom much is given, of them much will be required. To whom much is given, of them much will be required. That's why you will see a lot of saints in the church, like for example, Saint Arsenius, they used to pray silence. They used to practice silence. Saint Maximus and Domedius, Saint Maximus was known to be a very wise man, but he would actually prefer to be silent. Because too much teaching sometimes could make us stumble. Even Saint Augustine himself, he says, one time he said, I wish I did not teach so much. Because I made many, I said many things that I did not want to say. Okay? He says, for we all stumble in many things. If you are teaching and talking, 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 there's no way you're not going to make a mistake. He says, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. He's saying, don't think that if you, if, don't think that you have control over your tongue. Even, this is St. James talking as an order of teachers. He himself is a teacher, saying, as a teacher, I don't think I can control my tongue. As a teacher, I don't think, there are sometimes when I spoke, and maybe I may give somebody a wrong impression about somebody else. Or I might have led people into a certain way that I should not have led them to. I might have uh, 
uh, gossiped about somebody or spoke in a certain way about somebody that I should not have done. By saying, don't think that, don't think you're able to control yourself. How many times when you spoke, you were defending yourself, giving excuses yourself, trying to look holy in front of people, try to appear better than everybody else. He's saying, those, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in words, he's a perfect man. That's why talking too much without discernment, even as a teacher, can cause people easily to make a, a joke or to make a, a, to make a comment that's not in, in its right place and it could cause more damage than help. He goes, indeed, now he's going to go through like some illustrations of what does the tongue look like. He says, indeed, if we put, if we put pits on horse's mouth, that they, they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at a ship. Although they are so large and are driven by a fierce wind, they are turned by a very small radar, radar whatever the pilot desires. So he's saying the tongue is like the small pits that you use to control a horse. The horse is very strong, much stronger than you. He's able to run faster than you. But just you put something so small on him, you're able to control him. And that horse, by the way, represents our own body. Our body that we cannot control. We all like to talk about ourselves and share our own experience and talk about how our selfishness comes out. He says, you want to control that? Control that little organ inside of you, the tongue. The ship, he's saying the ship, when not, so the first one is controlling your own body. The ship is like when you have all these winds coming from outside. People are forcing you and pressuring you so that you may reveal secrets or that you may talk bad about somebody or getting your approval to do something wrong. This is that little brother that moves the whole ship is like your tongue. It moves, it moves, uh, it controls, controls how stable you will be under a lot of pressure. How stable you will be under a lot of pressure. By the way, I just want you guys to know also something quite important. People in the Oriental times, even like until now, but also in the old days, they give a lot of authority to their speech. Like to, even you hear this a lot in the Middle Eastern countries say, I give you my word, you have my word. I made a promise. I can't break my promise. People's word used to mean a lot more than we actually take it now. People's word used to mean a lot than we take it now. I remember His Holiness Pope Shenouda once said, that uh, he, I guess he took, he took uh, a, a, a setting with somebody from Upper Egypt and he took his confession. And the guy confessed, okay, try not to do these things anymore. But the guy told, I promise you, I'm not going to do it anymore. Pope said, I met him, forgot how, how long after, maybe a few years after, the same guy, I remembered him, I recognized him. And I asked him, 
that you struggle with these sins again, I give you my word. I told you, I promise I will not do them again. I did not do them again. This is how authoritative people used to think of their own words. Right now, people can make promises and break them so easily as if, as if they don't mean anything. What is the responsibility that I give to my tongue? It says, even though the tongue is a little member and boasts great things, see how great a forest a little fire kindles. So he's saying something interesting. He said the tongue has such a destructive power. Destructive power. Like somebody might say a word, spreads rumor about somebody and ruins their reputation. And it might be very hard to repair that. Somebody might say a word and hurt somebody's feeling. And it might be very hard to recover from that. Somebody might say a word and make fun of something in the church. And every time people, people pray, they think of that bad joke or bad comment that this person made. And it's hard for those people to enjoy the prayer anymore. That's why in Proverbs 12, 18, it says, Reckless words pierce like a sword. Words that come without control could cause great damage. It's like a little fire that will burn a whole forest. And some people enjoy gossip, enjoy rumors, enjoy talking bad about people, enjoy talking about people in general, enjoy criticizing everything, enjoy bringing negative attitude about everything. You might find a group that's really positive and moving and happy and everything. And when a person comes, they bring in just a negative idea. And that negative idea ruins the whole group. Something they were not even considering. But because somebody brought in a negative idea, it caused this big problem. They said, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. Wow. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among your members that it defiles the whole body and is set on fire the course of nature that is set on fire by hell. He's saying that the, the tongue is a fire, world full of iniquity. By the way, almost every single sin people involved in involves the tongue to steal from somebody to lie to gossip to curse think about all of it almost everything includes the tongue almost everything includes the tongue that's why our Lord Jesus Christ said Matthew says what comes out of the mouth defiles a man. Allah said, not what enters, not the type of food you eat, but what actually comes out of your mouth defiles you. He said, and, it, and he said, uh, uh, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander, 
All of these things come from the concept of the tongue. And he's saying that what happens is, is that destructive power of the tongue, if I don't control it, somebody else will control it. And who is that somebody else? Like, you know how like your thoughts, if you don't control, actively control your thoughts, the natural thoughts that you're gonna get are not pure. Because the world around you is not pure. The devil is putting all these evil thoughts in your head. Same thing with the tongue. If you're not actively trying to control the tongue, it will be controlled by the forces of hell, by the devil. Because you're not actively trying to control it. So he's, it's, a, it's a quite important thing. He's saying you must control it. Otherwise, somebody else will take over. That's why it's quite dangerous when somebody says, um, I like to say everything that's on my heart. Or I like to say everything that's on my mind. Sometimes that's dangerous. Actually, sometimes it's quite dangerous when you talk to people when you're angry. Because when you're angry, you have very little self-control. Even if somebody did, somebody did something wrong and you want to talk about you, you want to talk to them about it, you should wait until you calm down completely to be able to have a calm conversation and a reasonable one. Because if you talk, you're going to say things that you will regret later. I remember one of the fathers said something nice. He said that one time he was angry at somebody. So he told his father of confession, I'm very angry at this person. And I want to send them an email, tell them exactly what they did wrong and how I feel about them. So his father of confession told him, go ahead and write the email. And write everything you want to say, but send it to me. Don't send it to that person. So he said he sent it to his father of confession. His father of confession told him, for the next week, I want you to wake up every morning, pray, and reread the email and see how much adjustment he can do. Every week he wakes up, he reads the email, he feels, wow, this is a little bit too harsh. This is a little bit too rude. This is a little bit too aggressive. And he will try to adjust, adjust, adjust. And then the week, I told his father of confession, I'm not going to send the email. That's why also his owner, Pope Shuna said, Fastest decisions are not the best decisions. The conversations, I feel like I need to have it, I need to have it, I need to have it right now, right now, right now. Sometimes, they're not the best kind of conversations. That rush, that sense of rush is dangerous. Because, we'll see later, but because to have a wise and a, and a reasonable conversation, you need peace, you need calmness, you need meekness. He says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tame and has been tamed by mankind. So he's telling them, look, all the animals in this world, when God created Adam and Eve, he allowed them to, to control them. And actually, before, even, before Adam and Eve sinned, they had control over the animals. And 
and animals were friendly to them, but even after they sinned, they still humanity have power over the animals. And that's also a nice reminder that even the original sin that came to the world was because people could not tame their tongue. People could not control spreading wrong teachings. Spreading wrong teaching. But he says, he says people can control any animal. People can control any, any sort of uh, any sort of reptiles, creatures, everything, but no one, no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue is the monster of inconsistency. Our tongues are not consistent, but they do all the time. People come to somebody to receive holy teaching from them, and the next day. They hear things that completely the opposite. Now with social media and TikTok and, and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff, so many people feel I can make a lot of money and profit by just talking. There's a lot of people that just create like uh, like reality like TV or reality channels just just say nonsense. And some people became expert teachers of evil. And people can't control this. Aristotle said, of all animals, the human tongue is the most stubborn. Socrates says, every year men see in the circus lions that are more gently disposed toward their keepers than some men are toward their benefactors and bears rolling and wrestling and imitating our skills. He's saying, this is uh, 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 Socrates, he says, says you, see, you see the lions are friendly and gentle to those who take care of them. But we, as human, our tongues can go to our parents and to the church and to the places where we learn from and we can easily speak bad and show lack of appreciation and show anger. He's saying the animals have better tendency than our own tongues. Can you imagine? At least somebody, for example, the parents did so much for them. One situation happens and they blow up. And they create this drama in their head. And they attack the parents. And like, they live a life of drama that never existed in their head. For somebody, the church is, is their mother taking care of them all their life. And then one situation happens then they start going around and church is judging and people are judgmental and they start saying things that is completely not true. 
Men are unable to control their tongue. It's full of deadly poison. Look what St. Augustine said. He says, he does not say that no one can tame the tongue, but no one of men, so that when it's tamed, we confess that it's brought about by the, the pity, the help, the grace of God. So St. Augustine is saying, no man can tame their tongue on their own. The only way we can tame our tongue is through the help of God. That's why sometimes you see politician, politicians who are in front of cameras, in front of all, everybody, they can easily even make mistakes. Even though they're in a place and location where they know they have to be very careful, they can still make mistakes. Who can avoid this? Only those who are granted this gift by God. So when somebody is able to control their tongues, they know this is a gift from God. When we talk about the tongue that's full of deadly poison, you can actually see this also in the scripture in Psalms 140, verse 3. It says, Make their tongue sharp as a serpent, and under their lips is the poison of a viper. He's actually talking about how the evil men, their tongue is full of poison. They come and they flatter people and they try to make them feel welcome and happy and in a kind way and then they make them fall into sin. A lot of people fall into sin because they become a target of those who know how to talk. St. James, he says, this tongue that's full of inconsistency, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Wow. What is he saying here? You know, like all of us, for example, have nice places to sleep in, and places where you throw the garbage in. You never take the garbage and throw it in your bedroom. He's saying that what we do is, is that the same tongue that should bless God. And blessing to God is one of the most intimate things that the children of God do. Because it is specific to the children of God and the angels. The devil cannot bless God. When the devil tried to tell Jesus, you are the Holy One, Jesus told him, be quiet. This is, you don't have the right to praise. You don't have the right to bless. The problem is, is that because men were created close to God, near to God, they were created on the image of God. It makes a curse that comes out of a tongue that is close to God much more offensive. Much more hurtful. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ prevented, prohibited his disciples from cursing. He said, bless those who curse you. It's crazy now that people just listen to bad music all day long and they're absolutely fine with cursing. 
Everybody curses. You get on the school bus, people curse. You go on the lunchroom, people curse. You go to work environment now, people curse. This is the same tongue that you use to praise God. How is that possible? How is it possible that you use something for the most sublime function of the human and use it to do one of the worst acts of humanity? Also, one of the things I really like about the way that St. James is, is, is presenting the concept of the tongue is he's kind of separating the guilty organ, which is the tongue, from the body. And that sometimes helps us to know exactly what we need to focus on. And that sometimes helps us to know what exactly to focus on. Imagine for this great length, for example, if we say, I want to focus on the tongue. I want to make whatever that tongue says during Lent, only praises, prayers, and meditation, and talking about what is good. Is it possible? With God, it's possible. With men, it is impossible. That's why St. James said it's unruly. You cannot rule it unless God gives you the strength. He says, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, see these things ought not to be so. You can't, you can't, you can't go and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the same tongue to do whatever I want to do. And here St. James makes an, a quick shift. He shifted from the tongue to the mouth. Why? Because our Lord Jesus Christ used the mouth instead of the tongue. And you see this in Matthew 15, 11. It says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles this man. So it's not what you eat. It's not the medicine you take. The things you say defiles you. And if you lied, that defiles you. If you curse, that defiles you. If you speak bad about people, if you defend yourself, if you spread rumors, if you're happy, if you're endorsing a bad idea, or endorsing an, an insult of somebody, or endorsing a tragedy of somebody, all these things defile you. So when you stand in front of God, there's a wall of separation between you and Him. Matthew 15, 18 to 19. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the hearts, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemies. Where these things that come out of the mouth comes from? Comes from the heart. Look, Matthew 12 says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. By your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. You say, I, uh, I, I didn't know I have to be careful about this. God says they've been teaching people about it. Your idle words is like waste of time. The nonsense that we talk about all day long. I remember Abuna Tedros 
where when I said responsibility, people were talking to him about uh, watching TV and watching movies and all this stuff. And he says, he says, what a waste of time. What a waste of time. People sometimes can watch a TV show and they become consumed with it all day long and they could relive the story throughout their day and they could be expressing emotions of anger and frustrations and, and all of that stuff. Why? Because they're watching a show. And all these shows are intended to be a show that has a problem and that problem must be resolved. And you end up living a drama. Idle everything. Idle time, idle thoughts, idle words, idle emotions. People wasting your time. Does a spring send forth fresh water and a bitter from the same opening? He's saying, imagine you go to a small spring and you drink water today, good water. You go to somebody, one of your friends, and you read the Bible together. You go to church together, you pray tazbah together. You come tomorrow, and they'd be like, you know, let's go live it up. Or even let's go hang out, and the hangout is all about gossip. You say, how could this be? How can this be? That the same spring does this, does, does this. Look, he says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring deals both salt, water, and fresh. In the Greek philosophy, there is a concept of uniformity of nature. Nature is uniform. So the question he's putting to you says, this is, this is impossible. This is unacceptable. This is unnatural. Unnatural for us to go to a place where I get, I'm supposed to get holy teachings and I leave with evil thoughts and evil imagination. It's unnatural. It's unnatural for me to go to a person expecting holy things and I get something that's not holy. That's why quite often when people, for example, decide to go on a bachelor party or bachelorette party, whatever it is, sometime in the presence of a servant there or somebody who people think of them as close to church, there could be more harmful than lack of his presence or her presence. Because people are expecting to get good water and they end up getting bad water. That's even what we see in the creation. Like look at Genesis 1.11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb that yields seeds and the fruits and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seeds is in itself on earth and it was so. Look what he says, according to its kinds. What kind are we? That's what this verse is saying. That's why our Lord even told the Pharisees, how can you be evil and say something good? Our Lord was wondering. Usually an evil heart brings an evil things. A good heart brings something good. Unless the evil hearts try to cover itself, with some goodness on the outside. So they cannot feel rejected, they can feel good about themselves, 
they can feel accepted. That's what happens when, what, when the, the evil hearts try to cover itself in some sort of beauty. Somebody who's a front row deacon or somebody who's, who leads a service and all that stuff feels it's okay to do whatever they want to do, feel it's okay to do whatever they want to do outside. How is that possible? Unless we're covering an evil heart with something that looks good. And God would say, how is that? Our Lord himself was pondering, how is that possible? So the first part of this chapter, St. James is talking mainly about the tongue. And he's talking about the teachers who are, have good intention. And he's telling them, be careful not to teach too much because you're held into stricter judgment. No matter how well you think you are, you cannot control your tongue. You have to be careful. You have to be careful because if you're a teacher, you cannot one day say good things and then the second day bad things. He's saying that no man can control their tongue unless it's a blessing and a gift from God is given to them. Now it seems like there was another group of people who thought of themselves to be wise and was thought of themselves that we can be teachers. And by the way, this is the most dangerous kind of people. The people that think, I can do this. In the spiritual life, God does not like to work with those people. I remember one of the fathers in, the, in Alexandria, he used to say something beautiful. He used to say, I would never start a service in the church unless I first find the spiritual servant who will take care of it. I will not start the service unless I first find the spiritual servant who will take care of it. Sometimes we're concerned about the action, but with God, what is more important is finding the people who know that they need Him. Because in them, God works. Look here in, in uh, uh, St. Paul says, who is wise? You know, a lot of times, especially as people get older and older and older, their listening skills becomes poorer and poorer and poorer. And when you try to talk to somebody who's older, they wouldn't listen. Love to talk. Why? Because they think they know all the answers. And sometimes they talk and they answer themselves. And you just watch and observe. St. James is saying, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. He says, those of you who think we are wise, we can teach, we know what's right, we know what to do. He's saying, show it first by the meekness of wisdom. 
Wisdom is not the Christian wisdom that St. James is talking about. It's not somebody who has some sort of knowledge or information or, of, or have read to the fathers or have done this and showing off or know some hymns. No, 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 no. Wisdom that he's talking about here is people who are receiving a wisdom from God and they can show it but their kindness and meekness and humility. He's challenging the leader, the reader. He said, if you say you're wise and your action does not show it, then you're foolish. Same thing that our Lord said in Matthew 7, 20. He says, by their fruits, you shall know them. By their fruits, you shall know them. The character of a Christian wisdom, that's what people are looking for. You guys remember when we were studying uh, the life of David, we talked about Ahithophel. He was known to be the most intelligent man in the world. That's not the wisdom that God is looking for. He was not doing it with meekness. So what happened? When people did not take his advice, he killed himself. So he's saying, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. He's saying, if you want to teach, and if you want to claim that you're wise, and your action does not show it, look inside your heart. Are you motivated by envy? Are you motivated by self-seeking? saying, do not lie against the truth. Do not lie against the truth. God speaks so loud in our hearts. And the Spirit is guiding us to follow the direction of God. Yet yeah, the other day somebody told me something I loved. They told me, Jesus does not talk much. He walks around doing good. He walks around doing good. In the life of our Lord Christ was more of an action than talking. Out of all his life, out of all his life, there is probably five sermons recorded in the Gospels. Five. This is the Logos, the wisdom, the Word Himself. Saying, if you say I am wise, where is the meekness of the wisdom of heaven? And if you claim you're wise and you don't have meekness, then maybe inside our hearts there are envy, there are self-seeking, there are boasting. And he's encouraging us not to lie against the truth. Not to lie against the truth. Next week, God willing, we'll continue to talk about, to explain the earthly wisdom and then we'll talk about the heavenly wisdom and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.